He was so effective yesterday. We're going to the bullpen one more time. Lucas Sims makes back-to-back appearances on today's Locked on Reds. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, and my name is Jeff Carr. You just heard the dulcet tones of Stephen Offenbaker. We are Locked On Reds every single day here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And on today's podcast, we've got part two of the Lucas Sims conversation. If you missed part one yesterday, we talked a lot about the anticipation for the season. We talked a lot about his experience with arbitration and things like that. Go check that out if you missed it. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about some memories. We're going to look at that sleet game, the game where he constantly just kept trying to tell the umpire in so many different ways, I can't grip the baseball. A lot of great details on that. He kind of opens up a little bit more than he has in the past about it. Plus, looking back on his career, the longest tenured Red on this current Reds roster that's that's still amazing just to think of that as a whole. But we appreciate you joining us here today. If you're an everydayer, thank you so much for being so. If this is your first time checking out Lockdown Reds, become an everydayer. We would love to have you. All right, before we jump into our conversation with Lucas Sims, wanted to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New users now can wager $5 and get $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on all right let's jump back into our conversation and finish it off part two with lucas coming into now your seventh season i know uh your first season was kind of like part of a season with the reds after being traded here but your seventh season as a red i think that's i think you're the longest tenured player now on the team with joey yeah uh, presumably moving on so what looking back on that like what are some of your favorite memories looking back in your, your your time in cincinnati it was it was different, I guess, with with twenty, but um, making the playoffs. You know, there was nobody there, but still kind of mm-hmm. coming together as a group after all that. You know, all that was going on with the shutdown and um, you know the shortened season and and all that. Um, that was still my first you know postseason experience, so that was that was always pretty special. Um, and then uh, just another one that comes to mind is is Wade Miley's no hitter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to be to be able to witness that and. Um, for it to happen to honestly like him of all people um like it it, it couldn't have really happened to a better guy um you know everyone was so genuinely happy uh, not just to to see it and witness it but like happy for him um and and, like celebrate him in in a way and that was a it was a very special night um you know it was such a great teammate um one of my favorite reds memories for sure Probably um, hard to sort of encapsulate a little bit, but I, I'm always curious whenever you get to this point and, and obviously you're still looking ahead, what more your career has, but also looking back on the time that you've had in baseball, how has your career kind of flowed as opposed to like what you dreamt your career would look like? Definitely different, <laughs> definitely different. Um, but that's what's, you know, that's what's kind of beautiful about this game is um, you're always adjusting. You're always adjusting. I was just, you know, when you're 18 and first drafted, you you expect your career to turn out like Nolan Ryan's. Um, and that's just not the case for a lot of people. And, um, 
you know, uh, when I first moved to the pen, I was kind of, um, I wasn't sure. I, I didn't know how it would play. And um, as I've learned, I think that's, that's, it's just a good fit for me. I think it fits my personality. Um, I enjoyed starting, but I also love, I love coming out of the pen. Um, I, I love sitting down in the pen and, and being with those guys and watching from a different vantage point and um, coming in and in some of those le high leverage situations, uh, just it, it fires me up and um, just feeling feeling like you're you're able to benefit the team in, in some sort of way um, every night. Uh, I, I love that part. Um, and I also don't have to hit in that regard too. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think I could have cut it for uh, right. playing playing a position every single day. So um, if I can get out there and play as often as possible and, um, you know, help contribute, um, that, that's probably my best path <laughs> to doing so. So we shouldn't expect Shohei Otani vibes out of you then is what I'm hearing. You're not, no. you don't have a 30 home run season tucked away in there somewhere. No, maybe in slow pitch softball, but <laughs> not, <Yeah. laughs> not in the major leagues. I want to talk about the rain delay game for just a minute <laughs> because I think enough time has passed now that I want to drill deeper on freezing what exactly rain. was, yes, what exactly was rain. being, being said during Sweet that game. time. Uh, you know, when you look back and you watch the clips, obviously you had an outcome in mind. You know, you weren't able to grip the ball. You know, Tucker's behind the plate making hand gestures. But, you know, what I haven't heard a whole lot reported on is what's being said during that time. What are you saying to the umpire? What is he saying back? What was Tucker saying when he threw up his hands? Like, kind of take me through that whole scenario now, maybe that enough time has passed that you can share a little bit more. What's the what's the rating on uh, Locked on Reds? Uh, no swear <laughs> words. You, we can bleep the okay, swear all right. words. We can come uh, up with some, like, mother truckers well, or something like that. Well, yeah. so... <laughs> It started, I think um, Amir was pitching first. And as he was running out to, to go pitch, it was starting to get kind of bad already. So Amir goes out there, and then they had a pocket of righties coming up. So I was warming up to, to get ready to go back in and, um, and, and follow him up. And then I want to – I'm sorry. I'm getting bumped. I got a visitor here. <laughs> nice. Welcome so, to the show. Yeah, he, he wanted to – he's sitting between my lap. So – so I go out there and it's starting to pick up and it's, it's getting kind of sloppy. Um, I didn't have it. In, I wasn't really in the, the mindset of trying to make it an excuse. I was just trying to go out there and do my job. So I was kind of in tunnel vision um, going out there and, and just wanting to get the job done. It was a tight ball game. I think it was the seventh inning, seventh or eighth inning. So it was, it was kind of getting down to, down to the wire. Um, now I remember I was, I was having trouble with my footing and I was kind of starting to have trouble with the baseballs. Um, I think I, I think I walked somebody, and then I think it was bases loaded. And I, I was kind of battling. I had three-two count, and I slipped on the three-two pitch, and I missed with a fastball down. And it was, and I think it was the go-ahead run. And at that point, I was, I was, I was just mad, mostly because I just gave up the lead, and I, I gave up one of my teammates' runs, and you know. It, so I was just mad. And then it started really kind of picking up. And I think I skipped the ball. So I got a new ball, baseball back. And I partially blame DJ because DJ gives us this housekeeping meeting every spring where he talks about, you know, if there's a hole on the mound, it, uh, you know, fix it like or move or whatever. 
Um, if you get a baseball that doesn't feel right, throw it out. So <laughs> I got a baseball, the uh, fresh what was supposed to be fresh baseball. I get a baseball back and it's, it's just soaked, absolutely soaked. And so I'm like, Hey, can I get, I, let me get a new baseball. So I toss that one out, get another one. And it's the exact same. It's soaked. <laughs> I'm like, this one's trash too. So I, right. I threw that one and he just kept tossing them. I'm like, all of these are the same. So I kept firing them back. And then um, he goes, well, what do you want me to do? And I was like, well, find some dry, find some dry baseballs. And so I think I emptied his sack. He had one mm-hmm. left and this whole thing's going down and Tucker is yelling at the crew chief who was at second base. So he's yelling down at, at I think it was Jerry Lane. And he's like, Jerry, wh- what are we doing? And that was uh, the, that was the hand gestures, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was some more colorful, but it was, you know, what, what are we doing? And, um, and so I told him to go get some new baseballs and he had one left and he turns around and I wish they would have got this on camera. Cause I think this was the funniest part. He turns around and tosses one to Tucker to toss to me and Tucker gold glove or pop time. This one right back into the dugout <laughs> <Just> <laughs> fired that thing in there. He wasn't having it either. And, um, <laughs> He looks at me again. He's like, "What do you want to do?" I was like, "All right, well then, let's let's get some turfus on the mound." And then at that point, they they pulled the tarp, and and I'm I'm still running very hot. Like I right. at this point, I'm not thinking of any like you know, oh, this is kind of funny. I'm not doing it to be funny. I was it was top probably top three most mad I've been out on the mound. Um, just given all the circumstances, like I said, I gave up the lead, and and like you know, it put us in a bad situation, and. Um, anyway, so I go in the, the tunnel and, you know, I'm, I'm steaming and they end up pulling the tarp. Uh, when I say to fix the mound, they, they ended up pulling the tarp. So then I go and I'm, I'm sitting on my locker and still just got my spikes on. I'm just, I'm just mad. And, um, they end up postponing it. And I think, I think our catching, uh, coach, JR house walks by and he just kind of extended out nuts and goes, that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen on a baseball field. <laughs> and I, so I kind of, I'm like sitting there with kind of my head down and I, I look up at him and I'm like, I, I guess. And then a couple of people followed too. And they was like, that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And, you know, at the time I didn't, I guess now looking back on it, you know, it's funny now, but I tell you what, I did not think it was very funny at the time. Anyway, so- I mean, there's no scenario where like some things are going wrong for you. Oh, and by the way, you're getting wet that you feel good about that situation. Like it was, you... it was gnarly. It was, it was probably <laughs> 30, 38 freezing rain. Like I remember hearing it hitting my cap. There was little ice, ice piece, uh, pieces hitting my cap, but then it was also just soaking wet. And I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, you know it was funny on. last season, uh, last season, Brandon Williamson ended up pitching in, some pretty foul conditions somewhere on the East coast. Was it Washington, Baltimore, Baltimore? Baltimore. Yeah. I think both. It, actually. Had those, it had those similar vibes. Yeah. At least from the, he was the our rain, rain guy this year. Yeah. This past year. Yeah. Every, every, uh, every Willie start, there was rain in the forecast or if there wasn't, so, it popped up out of nowhere. So, every, so watching that particular game, I, I was waiting for him to start chucking the baseballs and we were going to call it the Lucas Sims maneuver. And he never did it. I was down me. in the pen. Too. I, I was like, it. 
Yeah. I was down to the pens and throw them out. Throw them out. <laughs> all right. We are having so much fun with Lucas Sims. Plenty more to come. We're going to get into all of that in just one second. Before we get back into our talk with Lucas Sims, I want to shout out the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's episode is brought to you in part by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find the exact part that you are looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers don't forget while i've got your attention i want to shout out that locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 streaming channel on youtube Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts like Jeff and I from the Locked On Network, plus our national shows that cover each and every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, we have plenty more with Reds relief pitcher Lucas Sims. Lots of great stories come for you, and I can't wait for you to hear them. We're going to dive back into that right now. Um, I've had a com- couple conversations with different guys that have pitched at the big league level. Um, some not for as many consecutive seasons, but I've talked to Chris Welsh about this. Uh, we talked to, to Carlos Guevara about this a little bit when we had him on talking about pitching in the minors and, and making his way to the majors. I have felt for a long time that measuring a pitcher's workload based on innings pitched is not a fair evaluation of the workload and the wear and tear that goes onto an arm. And I would much rather see a tracking of number of pitches because, you know, you talk about innings pitch, but that doesn't count the warm-up pitches in the bullpen. That doesn't count the side session throws between outings. That doesn't count a lot of things. How do you feel about the, the or, or how do you, track the amount of wear and tear track track the amount of what you're truly throwing through the course of a season and and use it to evaluate uh if you're getting stronger if you're being used too much if you're being underused what what are the metrics there it's a good question um number one is really just self-awareness um knowing your body a lot of it is learned just for myself a lot of it is learned um you know i talk a lot about especially with younger guys um learning how to warm up learning how to play catch before the game um there is so much that goes into the equation of how many days off have i had from pitching um you know how often do i touch the mound prior to the game um how much do i need to throw to to warm up what does everybody need i've seen um, for myself, I can get ready pretty quick, but a lot of that is experience. I've seen, I've also seen young guys come up and throw 35 pitches in the bullpen prior to, you know, a one inning stint. And it's like, Hey, like, maybe <laughs> you're loose. I promise like, you'll be all right. Um, a, a lot of it's managing game flow. Um, you know, getting, there's sometimes, Hey, you might go in if this situation arises, if we score more, maybe not. 
um, so much of it is just really experience. And, and I, and I try and tell younger guys that of, um, knowing what you need to do. I don't want to call it bare minimum, but like, can you get close to being ready? Like how close can you be without having to like really torque it or really step on it? Um, because over time, you know, in May, you'll probably be all right. But come August, September, you start getting the dog days. Those days kind of catch up on you. Um, and there are times, too, where you have to be fully ready to go in. And, you know, next thing you know, pop a three-run homer, the game changes completely. Somebody else is going to go in. Um, you know, that that's part of it. Um, but we've done such a good job, especially last year. I thought we did a really good job of – if a guy got up, pretty much they were going to go in the game. Um, and, and that just helps, um, you know, limiting the number of kind of up-downs we have down in the pen is is it's very beneficial to us. I think that that showed with, um, you know, all the guys that, that we had log over 60 games last year. Um, you know, I think that's a big part of it. Um, it like I said, but number one is really just listening to your body. Um, some of it is, like I said, some of it's experience, um, knowing what you need to do, how much you need to throw to get ready, um, not overdoing it, realizing it's a marathon, not a sprint at the end of the, at the, end of the day. Um, and, and kind of remembering, too, like sometimes those quick phone calls happen. Um, but, you know, when, when that guy steps, on, uh, steps into the batter's box, like, it's go time. It'll be there. Like you don't need to, you're not down in the pen, like necessarily practicing, fiddling around. It's like, just get loose, loose enough. You got a couple extras out there. So you don't have to, uh, you don't have to blow it all out in, in the bullpen. You got extra warmups out in the, out on the mound. And um, that adrenaline takes over. And I, pr I promise, I always tell the young guys too, but I promise you once that, once that guy steps in the box, it's go time. You'll be ready. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Lucas, I appreciate you giving us your time here today. Real quick, one last thing. What's the goal for this year? World Series. There it is. <laughs> to win it. To win it. Not just get there. That's the goal. That's the goal every year. Um, you know, I, I think we're not we're not blind to it. Um, I don't think we really seek it out, but. You know, we have MLB Network on all the time and, you know, everybody's got their phones and Twitter or whatever. And, you know, we're not not dumb. We saw the projections last year and, um, you know, we definitely outperformed a lot of whatever you want to call it, the, the pundits or, or whatever expectations. You know, we kind of outperformed that. Um, so you hit that over. Huh? <laughs> it's like over. You hit that over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we kind of beat that. So. Um, just expand on that, um, come together, play our brand of baseball and, and be the last team to win a baseball game in 2024. Lucas Sims, relief pitcher extraordinaire. That's what we're calling him for the rest of the <laughs> Lucas, Hey, I'll take it. So I appreciate, we appreciate generous, you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on y'all. Really appreciate Lucas giving us his time and a lot of great, a lot of great stuff that we talked about and covered. If you missed part one, please go back and check that out. He had a great insight on the off season. He really gave us a good look at the arbitration process and a little bit of behind the scenes of the Sims family. 
Uh, that's on part one of our conversation with Lucas Sims. Coming up, I want to talk about a a minor news story that I think is majorly intriguing. That's coming up next. Before we jump into that, though, I wanted to tell you that in between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. You can also join the Locked on Reds Discord page. Got a link down in the description of today's episode. We'd be happy to join you talking Reds all year long. Plus, bookmark inside the Reds. Got a lot of great written articles over there. Steve has joined me, and so is Rick Uchino and Audi Elmore from 700 WLW. And, of course, James Rapine as well from Locked On Bengals. He's also covering the Reds with us there at InsideTheReds.com. Bookmark that page today. All right, there's one thing that I wanted to cover before we get out, or a couple of different things. Um, There was a news story, and I, I was super excited to see this because probably... About a week into the offseason, the Reds brought back Alex Blandino on a minor league deal. And immediately, everyone had the joke of, hey, bullpen depth, right? I mean, he he made a couple relief appearances a few years back for the Reds in, in, in games that were completely out of hand, right? He's a position player pitching, which meant that the Reds were done in that game. He's making the switch permanent. And he's not just becoming a pitcher. There's been plenty of position players that have decided to change to pitching and and vice versa, pitchers that have become position players. But he is becoming a knuckleballer. Knuckleball pitchers fascinate me to no end. And and quite frankly, and I I don't mean for this to sound obtuse, but if you're a baseball fan and you don't like knuckleballers, I question how much of a baseball fan you are. They're so fascinating, so few and far between. In fact, I cannot look. I was trying to look, and I was trying to think. The most recent Reds knuckleballer, you got to go back to to, to Bob Perky in the 60s, right? Like way back. The Reds don't have knuckleballers. That's just not a thing. And like I always think of Tim Wakefield with the Red Sox and R.A. Dickey with the Mets and the Blue Jays, and I was always impressed watching them pitch knuckleball that that pitch is such a weird pitch because when you're younger you you try to learn how to throw I remember when I was a kid I learned I tried to learn how to throw a knuckleball because my dad can kind of throw a knuckleball and it's the most impossible thing to learn if you don't know how to do it I don't know how you get to that point where you're just like I can throw a knuckleball because my dad showed me a million times and it's not really like there's a lot of intricacies of explaining it Right? Like, you just flick your knuckles, you, you hold the ball against your knuckle, and you flick your knuckles. There's probably a modicum of more information there, but not much. And the the, the learning curve there is very, is almost non-existent. So I, I, I felt like that was something I could never do. So I always respected people that could. Not, not just, you know, professional. I mean, think about this. Just anybody can throw a knuckleball. I was like, ah, that's pretty cool. Think about throwing a knuckleball with confidence to the point that you want to go pro with it. Alex Blandino is making this switch from being a utility infielder that, you know, quite frankly, his career hasn't panned out to what I think he would have expected it to be. 
He's he's never really been on anyone's radar as a starter. He's really mostly just been a bench guy. I mean, ever since he left the Reds, he kind of bounced around. So now he's like, hey, let's find a lane. Nobody's really knuckleballer anymore. I'll, I'll do that. Plus, he's got a, a fastball like around 90 to boot. So if you can get a knuckleball to work and you have a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, you might actually be a pretty decent relief pitcher or starter even. I don't know. Like, I'm not putting any sort of, like, expectations here. I'm not saying, oh, my gosh, you know, the Reds just got a weapon. I'm just saying I'm really intrigued by this. And quite frankly, I think you should be too. Now, it's interesting. The Reds signed him to a minor league deal. They did not even extend an invite to spring training. I think they knew this whenever they signed him. They knew that he was going to be working on something. So he's going to be in the minor leagues working on this. And if it pans out, it pans out. But the fact that he, I don't know, like I almost think he's got to have some courage to make this switch. It's not like, it's not like he's saying, I want to be a utility outfielder. Like he's going from being an infielder to a pitcher that throws a knuckleball. That's an extra step. He's not just like, yeah, I got a fastball and a changeup. I'll be a pitcher. Now nah, I'm going to throw a knuckleball too. Like I love this and I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for this to work. In whatever capacity that ends up being. If it's for the Reds, great. If it's for someone else, fine. I want to see it work for him. Because I've never really heard of really anybody. I mean, you even think about pitchers saying that all of a sudden I'm going to throw a knuckleball. Like, there's a lot of pitchers that don't have the courage to do that. Or probably have better arsenals that they don't have to worry about a knuckleball. But the, the whole point is, this is such a weird decision that intrigues the hell out of me, and I absolutely love it. And I'm going to be watching it closely to see exactly how it works. Hopefully it works out for him. I did also see the Reds extended two more invitations to minor leaguers for spring training. Two catchers. We've talked about them before on the podcast. Everydayers will know that a couple of years ago, the Reds' catching prospects, two of them were Matt Nelson and Daniel Veoheen. Sure, I wanted to talk about this update just so I could say Daniel Veoheen's last name. Love his last name. But both of them have been extended invites to spring training. The Reds' catching pipeline is very dry right now. To figure out who the next Reds catcher is after Tyler Stevenson, it's throw a name up in the air and see what happens. There really isn't a guy. like In fact, most people have Alfredo Duno. As the Reds' highest-rated catching prospect, Alfredo Duno is still a long way away from anybody knowing exactly how his career might even come close to looking. He's still very young. I think he's only 19, maybe 20. He's still got time to develop, and I'm not putting expectations on a kid that young. So Matt Nelson and Daniel Veohin kind of have a little bit of an opportunity here. That's the reason that the Reds had Chucky Robinson as kind of their emergency catcher last year. And that's the reason that they, they've brought in some guys here now to be, you know, the go-betweens from Louisville to Cincinnati is that they don't really have a prospect that's behind Tyler Stevenson. You have Tyler Stevenson, you have Luke Maley, and you just have a bunch of guys who, who, else, who is going to be the next guy. So maybe Matt Nelson or Daniel Veohin can put their stamp on that. I'd be interested to see how that works out this spring. And it's going to be a small thing, a little thing. We're going to cover, especially as we get into pitchers and catchers reporting here in a few weeks, we're going to cover spring training storylines that we really are watching. 
and there are plenty with this team. Don't make no mistake about it. A lot of the 26 man rosters figured out, but it's not really known who's playing where and where they're at in the rotation, where they're at in the lineup, all this other stuff. Pitching is going to be interesting to watch. And so is hitting really. I'm looking very much forward to the spring training, but you add in these little tiny storylines of the next catcher for the Reds and ensure that, you know, Matt Nelson and Daniel Veoheen both have their detractors. Like Daniel Veoheen doesn't hit for a lot of power. Matt Nelson strikes out a ton, like a ton, like a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. He probably struck out twice since I said that, but who knows? Maybe they can take that next step this year. Maybe they can surprise, and they're going to get the chance to begin that in Major League Spring Training. All right, that's going to end it for us here today. Uh, thank you so much for checking out this Lucas Sims episode, part two, and uh, hopefully you're excited about Alex Blandino too. I, I, I'm I'm excited to see how this turns out. I'll, I'll have to ask Steve on our next episode what he's thinking too, but we will be back. We'll be back on Thursday. Uh, we've got some more to cover as we head into spring training. Is Brandon Williamson the odd man out? Like, I, th I think he is, but let's discuss that. Where does he fall within the hierarchy of the Reds' starting rotation? That is coming up in the next Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here today. If you're not an everydayer, become an everydayer. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and follow us here on YouTube by hitting that subscribe button and clicking that bell to get notified. Now, by the way, go check out Lockdown MLB Prospects. I said a couple of words about Alex Blandino and, and the catching situation. Lindsey Crosby has been going through farm system previews for every single team in the league uh, over the last couple of weeks. He did the Reds, I believe, last week. You can go check that out. He's got a lot of great other stuff as well. Lockdown MLB Prospects is just like Lockdown Reds. You can find it free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but as for Steve and myself, you can understand you can know and you can feel comfortable that we will be locked on reds every single day